There will be no cod swallop this week, my dear. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. I'm so glad that you absolutely loved last week's recap episode for our 100 episode marker. Thank you so much for all of you who have uh, shared about that on your Instagram stories, who have DM'd me about it, and continued to just share uh, things that we touched on that you had forgotten we had talked about before that were such good reminders and how many of you are saying that you started realizing that there's so many episodes you want to go back and re-listen to. That is absolutely the kind of student that I am is I have favorite episodes of podcasts that I will go back and re-listen to because I know it's the same way that I would go back and reread a book like Essentialism five times, you know, every year or so because I know I'm going to get new things out of it. It's going to hit me in a new way. I know it was really powerful for me the first time and yet I know I'm only ever going to retain you know, 20% of it. And so I need to listen to it a few times to really have it sink in. So I love how many of you are going back, revisiting your favorite episodes and continuing to share those older episodes with your audience. I love the fact about a podcast that it doesn't expire. It's very rare we go back and share an IGTV that we stumbled upon. Instagram tends to be a lot more in the moment. And one of the things I love about the podcast is that it can have been an episode from a year ago and it feels absolutely relevant today and can be something that you know, truly is timeless in that way. So I thought that the marker of 100 episodes was a great time to go behind the curtain a little bit of what it is like to create a podcast. First, I want to read a review from, I wish I knew your first names on these reviews, by the way, but it's NMM. 5387. She said, an inspiration. I listen every Wednesday. This podcast brightens my mood and gives actionable strategies weekly without fail. It's like having a personal mentor slash life coach slash encouraging cheerleader right in your ear. A blessing in many ways. Thank you so much, love, because I loved what you said here and that it brightens your mood and it gives you actionable strategies. That to me is what this is all about. It's about helping all of us have more joy and authentic confidence and being very real and relatable about what we actually can do to get there. So today's episode is based on questions that you have all submitted about the behind the scenes of podcasting. So whether you are a fellow entrepreneur who hosts your own podcast or is considering hosting one of your own or just a lover of podcasts who wonders what goes into the decisions behind it. I know I love a behind the scenes of someone else's industry. I love the behind the scenes of my own industry. I just really love to know how other people are making things happen. And so I'm so honored to answer these questions and hopefully be as helpful as I can. All right, question number one. Let me scroll down. Actually, I think, yes, I have 10 questions that you have submitted. So question number one, do you have help? How do you, uh, do you have a team? Who have you hired? How, how did you ultimately get this up and running? So uh, first off, I started going to an actual recording studio in the beginning, someplace that does audiobooks, radio programs, those kinds of things. It is absolutely not necessary to do that if you are starting something. In my case, I had the means to do it. And I think also because I was further along in my business, 
I felt like there was more pressure out of the gate to really do it at a high level. The great thing in some ways about being newer in business is you can – everybody knows you're newer in business. They're not expecting – the bar is not as high. The colleagues that you're being compared to are not already as advanced as something. So being further along in my business, I did feel I needed to kind of come out of the gate stronger than if I had started a podcast five years ago. But I had the means to do it, so I did. And also, it really did help take away the early stress. Like, I just didn't have tech stress. I wasn't trying to figure anything out. It built my confidence to know that I kind of had that base. It was going to aesthetically sound good. I wasn't worrying that I was going to make some rookie mistake. I wasn't even worrying, what if I don't hit record? Or what if I don't have... Like, it just took the 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 stress away. So whenever we have the option to get that help, that it can be great. And it also really built the rhythm and accountability because I had a set time. I had to finish these episodes and get there. And so in the beginning, I wasn't doing it as last minute. And I think when we're starting something new, that can be really hard. I hear from so many people, or rather I see so many people that announce like, I'm doing a podcast. And then eight episodes later, I'm like, whatever happened to their podcast? Because we don't realize how much time it takes and how much energy it takes. And often if we don't have that accountability, it can we can throw something out there and then get a little bit overwhelmed. And so for me, when I do a big new public or important thing, like I've shared, I, I got a book coach to help me write my book proposal because I wanted that accountability and structure. I really see the value in that. It's why, you know, for example, I have the Elegant Excellence Mastermind. I see the value of accountability, coaching, and support. So initially, it was kind of close-ish to our home. It was a little far, but then we moved to our new apartment, and it was super impractical and far away. So I just kind of was forced to be like, I'll figure this out at home. So phase two, I got, I was blessed to have friends that could help. I have a, a friend who is a sound and video person. I've hired him for filming my courses in the past. So I was able to hire him to come over and kind of give me some advice and set it up. But I trust that you have that person in your life too, or you can find that person online. That's kind of like the next level down of I'm going to get some help and support and I'm not going to leave it. I'm not going to expect myself to become an expert in how to set up my levels or what equipment to buy, or it's just going to give me more peace and confidence that I did, you know, ask someone. I have a ton of friends that run huge podcasts who record their podcast in a closet. Multiple friends. (laughs) None of these friends live in New York City. (laughs) And so the idea of recording a podcast in a closet is quote unquote normal. Now, the reason that that's good is because you want an enclosed space. When you're in a really big room, the sound bounces. And when you're in a tight space, it doesn't have that far to go to like reverberate. So you want to be in a small space and you want it to have basically fabric, I would say, in layman's terms. When there's a lot of fabric, like you got a lot of clothes in your closet, it muffles the sound as it bounces around. If you're in a bathroom, for example, it's all hard surfaces, and so the sound bounces off more harshly. Okay, well, in New York City, guys, we don't have closets that are big enough to sit in. I mean, and and I don't have closets that aren't being used. I can think of a girlfriend of mine that posted on her Instagram story, or an Instagram reel or something of her podcast closet, and I was like, oh, how charming. You have a bonus closet closet. Like all my closets have ish in them, all the spaces of the of the place we use. So I tried one time to record my podcast sitting on my floor in my closet. It was a disaster. Like my wedding dress was behind me. The sound, like the sound was all crinkling. And I was like, this is just not sustainable. So 
The way that I got around it, because I do have a normal size room, I got thick curtains. I have thick velvet curtains in front of my windows. Otherwise, I would not have curtains on those windows. I would not have velvet curtains, but I got just thick cream velvet curtains. And I also put up sound panels. I will link those in the description below, but that was something that that tech friend recommended. So you'll notice if I ever uh, show my office when I'm back in New York City, if I haven't done this and you think of it, feel free to send me a DM and ask me to share. But I have three sound panels up on, on my wall where it's just these cream – it almost looks like a giant cream canvas that you would paint on and no one's painted on it that are just taking up some extra space. During COVID, though, I've really had to get creative because we've ended up on the road so much living other places. So I have recorded in a bathroom, which I mentioned is maybe not ideal, but you got to make it work. I've recorded multiple episodes in the car. And where I'm recording right now is maybe my best hack – that I have seen no other professional suggest, and I would highly recommend. I'm recording in a fort that my niece and nephew would be really into. I am uh, sitting on the floor under a duvet cover that is being held up by a couch behind me and a chair on either side of me. I have pillows underneath the chair to kind of block that sound there. And then the duvet lands on the coffee table in front of me. And I honestly feel like absolutely anyone can do this. So if you are considering doing a podcast or you have a friend that is that is saying, like, I just don't know where I'm going to record it, be like, I think you need the the Hillary Rushford fort. I think you just need a duvet and two chairs and a coffee table and you're going to be fine. So the only other help I have, I do have an editor that puts the episode together. You know, like I do the meat of the episode and then you have the little PS song. So she needs to edit that together and then she actually up loads that. And again, that's absolutely something that you can just find, you know, tech help to do. Okay. Question number two, how did you come up with your theme song, the title of the podcast, the cover art, all the creative uh, elements? So the theme song, I just had a vision. I, I don't know how to, to teach that or break it down. I just kind of heard it in my head. It may have been different podcasts that I kind of fused together the way their intro was. And uh, one example of that would be The Skinny Confidential. That's the first one that comes to mind where their intro is sort of, it's not, what was really common at the time, I, I don't know if it still is, was like having, being a female podcast that had a male voice. It's like, welcome to the Hillary Rushford podcast. Hillary Rushford is a New York Times bestselling author, blah, 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 blah. And I was, that just like did not resonate to me. I was like, who is this guy? Why is there a male voice? This just, I don't know. And this, I liked the idea of a song that just like, it, it just gave you a vibe. It got you in the mood. It felt like, you know, the way if you came over for drinks at my house and I had some like upbeat French jazzy music in the background, it would it would feel like a vibe. So that was just important to me as a stylist, as an aesthetic person. You know, I would I would light candles if you came over to my house for that glass of wine. Like I felt like it was really important that it was more about the energy rather than sounding like a bio. And maybe that's not wise. I'll be totally honest. Maybe it's not wise. Maybe there's people that don't follow this podcast because they're like, who is this girl? They don't read the description at the top. It doesn't have an intro and then they just move on. But you know what? Other people might not like French music. And then maybe we're just not meant to hang out. I don't know. So uh, it's royalty-free music. That is the main um, base of it. I have a friend who is a voiceover artist, but you might just have friends that have a great voice. I have a musician friend who edited together for me. Again, you can find that online if you don't know someone. Uh, he's the other voice of it. And we just, you know, I, I just really literally explained like, here's the, have you guys ever heard 
when Taylor Swift is describing to her, and yes, I'm about to describe myself like a Taylor Swift because we're so similar in our artistic genius, but she does these voice memos to her collaborators and she's like, I'm kind of thinking it's like a ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, like that's basically what I did. I was like, okay, here's what I'm thinking. So it goes, you're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. And it kind of like like a tap dancer. It's kind of like, here's the rhythm that I want. And so I basically wrote that, quote unquote, had my musician friend who knows the tech put it together, had him and my voiceover friend and myself all do the voiceovers, et cetera. The title uh, came out of a joke that I made to my friend Emily years ago at a conference that we kept ending up in conversations with people where they'd be like, oh, that's really good insight. Oh, that's really good advice. Like we were talking to like a lot of male marketer dudes that I think were honestly being a little – they they weren't being patronizing. I think they honestly were having – they were having earnest reactions of like, you know, you girls are really impressive. Like they were honestly a little bit surprised. Like, you know, I'm really surprised that I'm having such an enlightening conversation with these women. And so I said to Emily, I was like, we should do a – we should be hosting a show. We should host a show and call it You're Welcome. You're you're welcome because we do have the answers and we do have really good ideas. And uh, you're welcome. You're welcome in advance. (laughs) And so that just – that phrase had just stuck with me over the years. And I loved the double entendre of it, that there is the cheeky – uh, there's, uh, yeah, you're, I'm going to blow your mind. You're welcome in advance. Like there's going to be wisdom here. This is legit. And then also the earnestly, truly my vibe is everyone is welcome. It doesn't matter what your race, your gender, your religion, your political views, your age or whatever, like truly everyone is welcome. The kinds of things we talk about apply to all people. Okay. I'm conscious in saying that I don't mean like, you know, the African refugee that, you know, is struggling to find clean water. I'm aware that like the chest patch I talked about in last week's episode does not apply to her. But in general, we understand what I say, what I mean. These things apply to everyone when we're going to talk about relationships and anxiety and confidence and mindset and all of that. So I honestly feel like I could not have chosen a title or a theme song that I love more. They continue to bring me so much joy and feel like such a perfect fit. The cover art, again, it just came to me. I'm sorry that that isn't helpful. Sometimes I just get a creative vision. I wanted kind of a retro feel with the fonts, like that cheekiness again, the music to me, you know, my theater career, I would always do things that were set in the 30s or the 50s. Like I am very modern and and contemporary in a lot of my approach to life, but then I also feel like I kind of have that essence. The colors are basically what I call my Cartagena color palette, my wedding. If you've uh, seen that, I just love that color palette. It brings me so much joy. i just thought of this shoot that I had done in Italy that happened to have those same colors in it because of the pants that, I mean, that shoot was back in 2016. And I kind of gave my vision to my graphic designer, Haley, and she just nailed it on the the first try. So if I can, I will link our trailer. Also, we put together a little trailer when it first came out. I will link that in the description below because it is darling and it has even more cute graphics that are kind of the bigger brand that because I just haven't had the bandwidth to kind of expand into a podcast profile and things like that. You haven't seen too much of that, but it actually was even kind of a broader branding pack behind the scenes. Uh, Question three, where did you get your PS idea from? Meaning at the end when you do the PS something I'm loving lately. Jen Gotch is Okay was a podcast that came out a few years ago. 
And listening to that, it was the first time that I ever thought of doing a podcast. I'd known for a long time people, like a podcast was something that I could do as an entrepreneur and maybe I should do and et cetera, et cetera. But everyone that I knew was doing interview shows. And interview shows are just not interesting to me personally unless I know the guest. For me personally, Hillary, there's no podcast I listen to where I would just kind of listen to every episode that's a guest podcast because I feel like it's going to change so much episode to episode that if I don't know the guest or if I don't know the topic, I don't know that I'm really going to care about it. And so I just wasn't as drawn to that. And I also felt like it was just done so much. There were so many interview podcasts out there. Why did we need another interview podcast? Again, I'm not saying that to anyone else. This was purely my thing, my Enneagram fourness of wanting to be unique and authentic and being like, if we've got a hundred of those in the world, I, unless I have something different to bring, why would I insert my voice? But Jen Gotcha's podcast felt, it felt very personal. She was very imperfect. It felt so much less scripted than my girlfriends that I was used to listening to. And I realized I voice memo my girlfriends all the time. It's not a normal thing for most people. I send voice memos all the time. I use an app called Voxer. I use my voice memo app on my phone. I use the one just like right on your text where you hold down your thumb. I send voice memos on my DMs all the time. You may have gotten one from me. They always blow people away. They're like, I literally didn't know that voice memoing on Instagram DMs was even a thing until you sent this to me. So I communicate verbally and her podcast was so chatty and imperfect. It wasn't like... If she stumbled over her words, she didn't go back and edit it out. It wasn't like an audiobook. And that suddenly resonated with me like, oh, I can just chat with people. Like that feels great. I love like the Q&A portion of webinars whenever I do those. That's my favorite part. I have the whole webinar thing and it's scripted, blah, blah, blah. But at the end, when we just chat and you ask me whatever, I love that. And other people are always like, oh my gosh, that's why I bought the product was because of what you did in the Q&A. And so the I just had a fresh vision of what it could be. And I just, I want to point that out because I think there may be times when people are telling you you should do something in your life and it's just not resonating with you. And sometimes you just need, it just takes seeing someone do it in a different way that you're like, okay, wait, you know what? I realized the reason I that wasn't resonating is because I thought I had to do it this way. And somebody else just modeled for me a new way to do it that suddenly does feel like me. So I'm so glad that I didn't push myself that I quote unquote should be doing a podcast years earlier because I just didn't have the, the vision for it. And then this concept of the PS at the end, I don't recall what she did because her podcast was a, a couple years ago and she hasn't brought it back since. It was just like one season. But there was some sort of ramble that she did at the end. It was like she was working with a um, with like a, a you know fancy podcast company. And so I think she had a producer that she was having to say like, here's what the show is going to be. But then she kind of wanted some freedom. So she was like, and at the end, I can just chat about whatever I want to chat about. And so I just liked, I came up with that idea of P.S. something I'm loving lately at the end as a way to just touch on other little things like books or beauty projects, products without the episode feeling like I was just all over the place and disorganized but also not needing to do an entire podcast on here's 10 novels that I'm loving lately. Like, so it just gave me the freedom, which to me is a real key to my not getting bored. As we kind of touched on in the hundred, um, the, the hundredth episode of the, of all the varied topics, 
I want to be able to talk about a lot of things. And that really is key to me in still feeling interested every week is that I have that freedom and I'm not boxed in. Number four, how do you come up with your ideas in general? How do you come up with these topics? How do you have something every single week to podcast about? This is just pretty easy for me. It's just my personality. I'm very much a visionary. I have ideas like rabbits have babies. Uh, you see when when you're over on my Instagram stories every day that most days I'm doing some sort of life coach teaching there and I'm just talking from my head and my heart. My IG stories are never something I have scripted out where I'm like, okay, I got to come up with something to talk about. I just have ideas and I talk about them. And I jot down ideas for the podcast all the time because some days when I do sit down to do it, I'll feel a sense of writer's block like, oh no, I don't know if I have anything to talk about. And then I just go back to my list and I'm like, oh no, you've had so many ideas. It's just that scarcity that so many of us have in so many things that goes to what if I run out of ideas? What if my well runs dry? But also you ask so many questions. You you just DM me vulnerable things that you're going through in your life. And sometimes it's a direct question. Sometimes it's, you know, the, our whole episode we mentioned last week on self-love came out of a girl saying because she wanted to lose weight, her boyfriend thought she didn't have enough self-love or something. And then somehow that whole episode evolved into if we believe people are coming from love, then we can disagree on abortion and immigration, you know? So sometimes you don't even realize the idea that you were sparking by you just making a, a passing comment. But most often it's where my head is at at that time. And I have always said over the years, whenever I share what I personally am going through, the, the collective you as Dean Street Society goes, oh my gosh, me too. How did you know? Have you been reading my diary? This is exactly where I'm at. This resonates so deeply. And so because you give me that feedback, I have just learned over the years to have more confidence. Whatever's on my head and heart, it's it's going to resonate. If I just share authentically, then it's it's going to be appreciated. I realized that a lot of podcasts and a lot of just teachers in general – give advice back, like they're more advanced and they're giving more early on advice. So like I have an eight-figure business and I give a lot of tips for starting out in business and getting to your first six figures, whatever. And I mostly am sharing my now, like this happens to be one of those episodes where I'm kind of going back to the beginning, but I don't do many episodes like that. As I sat down and thought about this question, I realized that Mostly I am sharing literally here's what I am working on to become a better person today. Not I learned this in 2016 and in four or five years you too could be where I am now. And I think that's why this podcast and you're in my relationship feels different than some of what's out there because I'm not waiting until I'm an expert. I'm really sharing my process. And I think that's a reason why you and I connect so much and really feel like we're in this together because we legit are. <laughs> I'm not saying, well, here's where I am and back when I was a young, you know, a young entrepreneur, back when I too was struggling with anxiety so I can channel where you were and one day you'll be like me. I'm like, all right, so here's what I've been thinking this week. I mean, and I'm just really unpack it and I share the process of, okay, we are thinking about moving to Mexico. And I don't know if we're going to, and so it sounds a little vulnerable to share it, and you're going to ask some questions that I don't have answers to yet. But here's where I'm at in the process, because if I wait three years until we've actually moved to try to share, there's a lot that I'm going to forget about how 
I actually went through making hard decisions. And I know that in this time, I've had two girlfriends also making decisions over the last two years about whether they or their family were going to move. And so I know it's not a neat and tidy half-hour, five-step perfect downloadable. You put in your email and I'll send you my my two-page five-step worksheet to making hard decisions. Like, And I value that in other podcasts, but it's just not the way my brain works. And so I think oftentimes I am just sharing, earnestly, here's what I'm working on right now. And because of that, I'm not trying to mine for ideas. I'm just being honest. Question number five, how did you have the confidence to host your podcast alone? So I did not realize that this was unique until Nora McInerney, total girl crush. She's the host of Terrible Thanks for Asking. Uh, She writes on grief and she is hilarious, which is a a perfect two-part human cocktail, basically. You've gone through like the most unspeakable things, but you're also incredibly funny. And so somehow the the combination like makes it palatable to hear about these hard things. So uh, she posted something about, I love women who have the confidence to host podcasts by themselves where they just talk and they don't have a guest. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that that was unique. I didn't realize, yes, that's what I was drawn to in Jen Gotcha's okay. And I thought it was just that it was more conversational and it was less perfect. I didn't really think, oh, most women, and please no, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but is Nora right? Are there some people (laughs) for whom it's actually a lack of confidence that says, I'm not going to have enough to say. People aren't going to be interested enough in me So I will interview other people because they are interesting. They do have something to say. They do have validity. Don't know the answer. Not saying it's true 100% across the board by any means, but it's worth asking. So it just clicked again that I was listening just to Jen Gotch and I was drawn to that. And so I just didn't even overthink it to realize what it was. By the way, in some ways, interview podcasts are way easier because the guest brings the topic. They've written a book. They're an expert on something. It's already built in. They pitch you to be on their show and they give you topic ideas. They've done all of the research. They're the expert. Aside from prepping the questions, you don't have to be an expert on as many things. You don't have to have as much knowledge. You don't have to have as much research. And other people are going to naturally pitch you and do all the work of coming up with the topics, which is why a lot of people do it. And it's why it might be right for you if you're an entrepreneur because, like, please do know that it does take, I believe, I haven't done both, but it would seem to me that that takes less mental energy to do it that way. And that might be more sustainable for you. I don't know. Another insight for for my entrepreneurs is when you buy my book or books in the future and when you pay to come to an event because you know that I'm going to be speaking at it. You know, those are the things that I want to be doing more of in years 10 to 20 in my business. I mean, like my 10-year anniversary-ish in my business in the next decade, that's more of what I want to be doing. So why are you, why do you want to hear someone speak or buy their book? It's because of their thoughts. It's not their interview skills. You know, my books are not going to be compilations where I brought together 10 women on their ideas of beauty and self-confidence. Also a great book. It's just not the way my book is going to be. I'm not a great interviewer and you're coming to hear who I interview. You're coming to hear me be interviewed for my ideas. So I also feel like the podcasters where I really respect their wisdom, it's them talking. Like, I love the Goop podcast, and I like Elise Lohan, the host, but I'm not coming for Elise's wisdom. 
if Elise bought a book, I don't know that I'd be like, oh my gosh, I love everything she says. It's, you know, her interviews are that she knows all these really cool people. So you can get Priyanka Chopra on your podcast. That's amazing. I totally would love to hear her, but I'm getting to know her. It's to buy her book, not your book as the host, if that makes sense. And then the other model is the co-host model. There's a lot of podcasts that are two women. And again, it just didn't occur to me. It wasn't a calculated decision. There wasn't a natural person there. My business is me and most podcast co-hosts that I can think of, unless it's a husband and wife who run the business together, like I mentioned the Skinny Confidential earlier, they're kind of business partners, so there's a natural built-in person there. It would be really weird for me to have Jeremy on the podcast. This is, you know, not his world. But if it's two girlfriends, most of the podcasts I can think about, the podcast is their business. Like they are business partners in running a podcast. So it would be very weird to me if I joined with like my friend Nicole Walters, who's a fellow entrepreneur where we each run our own business. And then we just came together in partnership for this. You know, our businesses might go in different directions. We might have different projects and priorities. So I think those where you're seeing it's a co-host, that's the business they are running where this is one part of my broader business. All right, question number five. Why are there not more business episodes? Why did you decide not to do a business podcast as an entrepreneur? A couple of things. Number one, I have a desire to help all women. You know, women in and of themselves, anyone who identifies as a woman, is half the planet. When it comes to beauty and confidence, that applies to everyone, you know, anxiety, et cetera. Entrepreneurship is so dear to my heart, but it is also, it's only half my audience and it's a small percentage of the world. Not everyone is called to be an entrepreneur. We need kindergarten teachers and we need flight attendants and we need bankers and, you know, all manner of things. So I just in general, I get more excited. I'm a one-to-many person. I get more excited helping more people, which is not to say that I want a huge following. Totally another conversation for another time that I actually don't desire that. But I want to feel like I'm helping most people. Even just back to the title, you're welcome. (laughs) Like I want everyone to feel welcome here and not to be like, oh, she only speaks to entrepreneurs. Number two, as I noted above, I get bored if I'm boxed into one thing. I would be miserable only talking about one thing, only ever talking about how to grow a business, how to do digital marketing. Some of my dear friends run only business podcasts. That's almost every episode is about that. And to me, that would just feel like I'm only talking about one dimension of my life. My life is so much more than my business and my work and growing a following and all of that stuff is important. But I just, I'm just a real holistic person. And number three, I think this is a business podcast if you are an entrepreneur. In my Elegant Excellence Mastermind, we cover three pillars throughout our year together, marketing, strategy, and mindset. So this podcast is all about mindset, and it's about strategy in life, how we make decisions, how we choose priorities. So it's really half of my business wisdom just shared in a way that applies to all of us. And then I do talk business all the time in my mastermind. So if that is you, swipe up, get on the wait list where you can hear more because I do talk about that, but I have a specific forum in which I talk about that for a small to medium-sized group of women. Number six, what is your advice in starting a podcast if I want to start one? Number one, have a growth plan. 
A podcast is not, if you make it, they will come. I already had an audience from my email list and on Instagram. So I think in general, you need to be list building somewhere else. You need to be finding other people that you are going to bring to the podcast. Some people will find you naturally on the podcast platform. If you swipe up you from a show that you like, it'll tell you other types of shows you might be interested in. But I know for me personally, most of the podcasts I have found, I found because because someone was recommending it to me. So that's another small element of of list growth is word of mouth. But most businesses that need a volume, you're you're getting a you want a high volume of people listening. If you're a wedding planner, you might want 10 weddings a year. You don't just want 10 podcasts uh, listeners. So if you're looking for volume, you need to be doing something else to grow. That could even be guesting on other podcasts, but just know I need to not just create this, but I need to be just as intentional about growing it. And those two things are both a lot of time. But I also tell my Elegant Excellence Mastermind girls often that I recommend rather than starting their own podcast, they go put that time into guesting on other podcasts because that really is generally more growth. You're getting in front of everyone else's audience. So if you only have 10 people that are going to listen to you, but you're going on these podcasts that have 100 and 1,000 and 10,000, you're getting in front of a lot more people for the same hour every week than if you were just talking to your same 10 people and then also needing to spend time list building. Or do a limited series or do a very tight season. It is hard to do a podcast every week. (laughs) It is, you know, it's like having a baby. It just never stops. It's always there. You know, you don't get summers off when you're a mom. Like, it's just constantly there. So I watched uh, my friend Bianca Olthoff, for example. She did, she launched a book, and I think she did like an eight-episode podcast series. Basically, she wasn't trying to launch a podcast that was going to go on for all time, but it was a great way to give people a taste of what was in the book, and now it just lives there. And I don't know what she's doing with it, but you could do a set in the same same way I give advice about podcasting, I'm sorry, blogging these days. Very few businesses need to be blogging regularly unless you are really driving traffic to that through SEO, uh, search engine optimization, keywords, et cetera. But you can just have like 10 episodes that are kind of your base content, your best tips, your best list builders, whatever. So you can use a mini podcast series in the same way and then just keep throwing people to those episodes, have it be there, you know, to establish, et cetera. Or do seasons. People do that where they take a long break. You know, they do a podcast for four months and then they take off for eight months and then they come back for another season. But I would be really reticent to see someone start a podcast that is going to be every week if they don't have an audience someplace else. I don't think that it is probably the best use of your time. Uh, Question seven is, why do you not have any ads on your podcast? Which I'm sure you guys love that there's no ads, but it is a very common thing that we're used to hearing on most other podcasts. The honest answer is I just haven't had time yet. And I think that that is so important. I was going to say for entrepreneurs to hear, but honestly, I think for everyone to hear. (laughs) There are so many ideas we have of things that we could do and they would be good, they would be beneficial. We just can't do all of them. And it is absolutely on the list. It's just below other things. And if I had uh, another seat on my team, you know, I had someone on my team that was going to start that at some point who then ended up leaving. And I just, it hasn't even been on the list to replace that seat yet, et cetera. Also, the way that I 
would do ads because we will be adding them because honestly, it is a lot of work and it costs money every time to do these podcasts. So it's definitely far wiser and savvier to be making sure that this is a, a part of business. This is not just a free gift that, that I give. So I also would recommend that you do have ads on your podcast. This is a business. This is a service. This is not something that you are – if you're not paying for something, someone else is. You know, if you're paying very little for your cable new cable subscription, it's because the cable people are making their big money with advertisers. And then you're going to sit there and watch a commercial. When you buy a magazine, a magazine is very inexpensive, especially if you're going to do a subscription where like for the whole year, it's like a dollar a magazine. You know, it's so cheap. Well, that's because their real money is through ads. So when you flip through that issue of Vogue or Architectural Digest, you're seeing ads. So there's there's all manner of things in life that we consume for entertainment, for education, where we are paying nothing or very little upfront, but we are seeing ads and that's the business model. So I absolutely support having ads on podcasts and I think that we all should. I support having ads on Instagram for individual profiles. And I think we should as well. I think we should honor that people should get paid for the work that they're doing and that we get very entitled to getting everything for free. And I'm raising my hand along with you when there's a, I mean, when I say that, when there's a, you know, YouTube video and I have to watch an ad, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> like, and I have to check myself and be like, wait a minute, why am I expecting that this person was just going to give me all of their work and time and energy for free? This is how they're making money. Like, I don't begrudge when I go to a restaurant and they ask me to pay. I'm not like, oh, really? I'm like, no, I understand. You bought the ingredients and you did the work and then I, I'm, you know, paying you for this. So anyways, little rant on that. But when I do do ads, Again, it's just my personality. It has to be super authentic. It has to be products that I genuinely use and love. It has to be not reading copy that somebody else wrote, which is totally feasible and something that we will expand into. But it's just another little area of I'm sure there are easier ways to get advertisers on podcasts where you just sign up for a service. You go to a website and they're just like, here's what the ad is for. Talk about dog food. Read this copy. I'm sure there's a way to do that that would be more quickly if I needed to make that more money. But it's also a difference of where I am in my business. You know, when I started my podcast, I was in a place where I have other revenue streams. And 10 years into my business, I can afford to do things with a more long tail vision in mind that you can't do when you're a few years in and you need more income more quickly. So I'm able to launch a podcast and say, I'm okay not monetizing it in the beginning. It's going to rack up downloads and rankings and whatever, and we'll, we'll get into that eventually. And you just can't afford to do that when you're brand new in business. So I think it's so important to note those differences that someone isn't trying to follow in my footsteps and think, oh, there's a intentional revenue reason why Hillary's going to make more money by not doing ads in the first two years. Like, no, she just had other revenue streams that were performing that she focused on. And if I'm going to go into a podcast, I need to make sure I do as well or it's making money for me. Question number eight. What did you not know when you started? I did not know how much of me, you, my audience were missing. And I think I've mentioned this, that like some of the first responses I got from the first handful of episodes were, if you if you go back and you read the very first reviews here, there's people being like, I just thought she was a vapid, pretty thin blogger. And it turns out she's actually really smart and intelligent and has good things to say. I mean, that's not exactly what they're writing, but pretty close. And I was like, 
oh, I didn't realize that that not all of me was coming through because you're writing simple emails. You're, you can only write so much in an Instagram caption. Even Instagram stories has not been around that long. Like I don't remember quite when it was. We could all Google that. But I started the podcast about two years ago. How much longer before that really did stories start? So I think that the combination of the two – I have so much more depth conversations over on stories than I do on my feed. And I think because we just, you know, we can only write so much in a caption. Even IGTV is a newer thing. It's why I didn't really dive into reels in the beginning because they're very shallow. I don't mean that, again, as a commentary about anyone else. But like the whole point is how quickly can I cram how much text in flashing every single second. How can I give you five tips in 15 seconds? You're like, well, you can't say a whole lot on that. So to me, I'm a depth person. And if you had not taken one of my courses or one of my coachings, that my students had seen that. And that came through in our testimonials and our emails. Those people were like, you have changed my life. You've taught me so much. And whether that was my style students, my entrepreneur students. So I was getting that feedback. I just didn't realize that it was only those people who are my students. And that if you hadn't yet paid to work with me, it was almost like, more of my wisdom was kind of all behind a paywall or something that people who were just scrolling or opening emails were putting me more in that category of cute bloggers or basic business webinars and just weren't getting more of that depth. And for me, that has been so fulfilling. I also had other snippets of that. The few of you, the little tribe that was on Periscope with me and before that Snapchat, there was a season basically like maybe three or four months in each of those apps where I was on there a lot and we really went deeper. We went deeper into comedy and I was really infamous on Periscope for teaching while I was doing my hair and makeup which was truly just to multitask. It was like, I've got to do my hair and makeup anyways, and I'm not doing anything during this time, so why don't I pop open Periscope and do a live video? But I think it was that authenticity that was coming through. If you can do two things at once, it shows that your brain really knows both of those things. If you are having to deeply focus on something, then you need your full attention. And so when someone can multitask, they're teaching and they're fielding questions and they're doing their hair and makeup, it shows like, Oh, she really knows her stuff. She really knows what she's talking about. And I think in the same way that you're like, she shows up every week on this podcast and has something new. She didn't just have five things to say and she's just going to keep repeating them for the next five years of business. And then that's kind of it. So I loved the depth of Periscope and, and Snapchat, but they also expired over time. I mean, if you didn't see those Snapchats, like they're they're not there anymore. The Periscopes aren't there anymore. The apps faded, whatever, where a podcast feels very valuable because it lives here. And even Instagram, I mentioned earlier, we don't really go back. And like, I can't think of a time when I've ever had someone share an old IGTV on their stories. But y'all share older podcast episodes all the time. All the time I'm getting tagged that you listen to episode 77 or 31 or whatever, and it was not the one that was just this week or last week. And therefore, we can all keep referencing it like a blog post. You know, some people start at the beginning and they have all that depth they can catch up with. People are not scrolling to the beginning of my Instagram and just reading a few new posts every day, but you can get all of that. And then I, as I said, can keep referencing it like a blog post. A lot of times when I'm doing Q&As on my stories, I link to past episodes because I get questions that 
that I already have answered, and I've answered them in a 30-minute podcast episode about my travel advice that I is way more helpful than answering a 15-second story with like my top three tips again. Also, what I didn't know in the beginning is the tech was not as overwhelming as I thought. Like just get a microphone, go under a blanket, (laughs) hire someone on Fiverr or something to edit and upload it. Like it really did not need to be as complex as I made it. I will put, by the way, all of my equipment in the, uh, the description here. If you want to just know like what mic I use at home, what mic I use when I'm on the road, et cetera. Number nine, my biggest mistake. I don't feel like I really have one and I don't, I don't mean that as in like I'm perfect, but more that there isn't something where I really kick myself. Like, you know, which that, that's really what we do when we talk about mistakes, especially in business. It's just really like, oh, I just really kick myself that I did that. I wish that I had known. I really like regret that. I wish that I had more bandwidth to promote the podcast. I wish that I could be running a a Facebook group where we could all be talking. I wish I could be running a podcast Instagram that was, you know, constantly repurposing clips and and quotes and all that. I wish I could be guesting on other people's podcasts to like bring in new listeners. There's a lot more that I could be doing, but those aren't really mistakes because I'm doing the best I have with the time I have. You know, and I want to share that because I have gotten to a place 10 years into business where I have a lot more grace for myself. There are still so many times when I'm like, oh, I wish I'd done that. Oh, it's frustrating. I can't do that yet. Like, oh, I want to move on to that thing. I want to. It doesn't mean that those desires go away, but I am better able to say, you know what though, girl, you're doing the best with the time that you have. Like you, there's, of course, there's always going to be ways that you could grow. Of course, there's always going to be new things that you could offer, but you can only do what you can do and you've done the best, you know, that you could do. I also would say it's less stressful when I batch episodes as far as like mistakes, recording an episode that's kind of live, so to speak, every single week is challenging. But it also is part of my personality and part of what makes me feel more authentic. So I don't know if this is a weakness or a strength. It's very a catch-22. Both my Instagram and my podcast, I don't lay out what's coming. I don't batch them. I don't create six weeks or six months of content all at one time. And that 100% makes things more stressful And it 100% feels good that I'm so authentic and that I'm really vulnerably connecting with what's actually happening for me this morning, not what was happening for me three days ago, three weeks ago, three months ago that I like wrote down to talk about later. So... I, I don't know. I've gone back and forth. I've I've tried to to batch more and get ahead. When I would do that early on in the podcast, I ended up saying like last week we did this and blah blah blah. And then I I'd realize, oh wait, no, I I want to throw this episode in. Like I I laid this all out thinking this was going to be for four weeks and this was going to go live the week that the journal went live. But then the journal ended up getting shifted and now so I was having to go in and re-record so often. So. I do not recommend that you do it week by week. I would really recommend that you batch things and that you organize things and you do it better than I do. But I just also want to be honest and authentic that if that is not feel good for you and you find yourself leaning towards doing it more week by week in the moment, just know that you are not alone and also know that it is not the most efficient. (laughs) And I am very aware about that for myself. So I certainly have so much more room to grow. I could list so many things that I 
wish I could have done already, but I also can celebrate that I have showed up every week, blessed people, and in year three, which is in the spring, we're not quite there yet, but 100 just felt like a good reflection marker, I will do more in in this project and area of my life, and so will you in yours. Question number 10, final one, is what are you most proud of in this podcast? And I mentioned this in the 100 episode that it really is the diversity of the audience is the biggest thing to me that my dad hears from women all the time when he is out speaking, you know, pre-COVID of women that are in their 60s and 70s that are, are friends and colleagues of his that listen. I just got a DM from uh, someone I went to college with her like younger sibling or something. Anyway, she was saying her daughter now goes to our university and listens to the podcast. And so I was just like, I love so much that we have women that are in their teens or their 20s all the way up into their 60s or 70s. That feels so powerful to me as a woman to know we're all in this together. We're all growing in these things. We aren't immature or too old or whatever it is. And the diversity that Really, I know because you DM me or because you leave it in your reviews. And I really encourage you to leave in your reviews, if you feel comfortable, a little bit about yourself because it helps people go, oh, this this is for me. People who are a stay-at-home mom listen to this podcast. People who are LGBTQ, people who are a preacher's wife, who are atheist, who, you know, vote Democrat or Republican or whatever. I just, I love when I hear from those of you that say, I'm very different from Hillary in this way. And yet I feel welcome here and I get such value. And that diversity is all over the, over the place. As I just said, for some people, it's that you know that I'm a Christian and you aren't, or you know that I am not a mom and you are, or I am, you know, whatever it is. The other thing is we are nearing, we're going to be at nearly a million downloads around the two-year mark. And I think just knowing how much this show has resonated with you and how many of you do listen every week, and you say that as well in your reviews. I love those of you that truly are like, this is my standing Wednesday date. I do know that there's going to be this constant in my week. And those of you that say, I just found the podcast recently and I've totally binged it and, you know, am am catching up all of those people together go into the number of downloads, which really is just about the to me is about the impact that it makes because if I wanted to have hit 2 million downloads, I could have done two episodes a week that are five minutes long and I'd have, I could easily inflate that number. These episodes are not short. (laughs) They're meaty. And therefore to have that many downloads is really saying like, these are people that want to go deep. um, And I love that so much. And then also just how specific and heartfelt your reviews are. So often when I read them here, they're not just like, Five stars, she rocks, which is fine too. If that's what you want to do, amazing. But how specific and heartfelt they are really shows like we are talking about things that matter here and you can articulate why it is that they matter and, you know, how you feel. And I'm also just feel so proud every time you share an episode because you feel like that content can bless someone when you tell me that you recommend this podcast all the time, when someone writes to say, my friend so-and-so recommended it to me, or I see you share on your Instagram stories. Like, I just know that the recommendations 
we make to the people in our lives have the most weight and impact. And the fact that you really are like, you know what? Like, I know I'm cautious with what I recommend. And that's another reason why, you know, the ads thing will be a little bit more complex for me to get into because I don't recommend a novel to you guys that I read unless I'm like, I really loved this novel. And I read like probably half the novels I read. I'm like, meh, I don't know. And I don't mention them to you. I don't just post every novel that I read to make it sound like I'm reading all the novels. I'm like, or I will tell you if I do a recap, like a five slide post on five novels, I'll be like, okay, here's my rankings for them. I'm not recommending all of these just because I read them. So I really take that to heart when someone recommends something. So I am just so grateful that you are here. Whether you are binging your way to catch up or whether you are here every Wednesday, I am so grateful for our time together in Instagram stories seven days a week uh, where we continue to have more of a reciprocal dialogue and relationship. I would be so honored if you would go share topics that you would like to see upcoming. I'm going to put a link in the description below of a post that I put in my feed so that I could kind of have a – I could save and hold on to one list of what are topics and questions and things that you want to dive deeper into, things that you want to revisit so that you can help inspire the next 100 episodes. And I am just really hopeful for what is ahead. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately, speaking of novels, is a novel called The Rosie Effect. It came out quite a few years ago. It's a New York Times bestselling book, but I just discovered it personally. And I've said a lot of times throughout the last year in these segments that pandemic, racism, politics, all the things, I need content that is not fluffy, that's not pure cotton candy, does nothing for me, but does not make me cry and does not it, – it isn't hard. It is – joyful. It is light. It is escapist. This novel was delightful. The narrator is a man with Asperger's. And one, he was just so charming that it's not the narrator that you are typically used to hearing from. And so that felt really delightful and whimsical um, and entertaining. But also I felt very, I felt more educated and empathetic to what the lived experience of someone with Asperger's is. Obviously, this is a novel and not a nonfiction work, but it just, it made me feel more empathetic. Uh, it made me feel more uh, more understanding. And it also was a delightful, easy read. So I highly recommend it. Um, I will link it in the description below. And as always, I would love to hear what things you are loving lately as well that fall into that category because I certainly am always looking for more things to keep me company in these days that do not make me cry, but make me feel like I am becoming a little bit better person, which is how I hope we all feel more often here on the podcast, over on Instagram, and in all the ways. Till next Wednesday.